Good morning. Pastor Kyle, I want to welcome you all here today. Thank you for coming, especially our guests who are with us. We're grateful that you're here and have just come to join us in worship. As Pastor Nancy said, we're in the midst of a series called The Place to Be. We introduced that last week, and ultimately the place to be is at the feet of Jesus in a relationship with God Almighty. And so that's our main goal here at our church is to be a spiritual crossroads for our community where we seek God together. And so, so excited that you're here today. We're going to be exploring that. And uh, just grateful to have you with us. On your way out today, we have a gift for you. Uh, it's a small window sticker for your car. I think we've got a picture of it. I've got one on my Jeep already, and it's got a picture of our church logo. It's got the crossroads as we are trying to be the crossroads of this community, spiritual crossroads, and it has our website on there. And so we'd invite you to put that on your car just to be visible in the community. Uh, the more of these things that people see around town, maybe they wow, I wonder what, what the buzz is about all that. Let me go check that website out. It might be a wonderful way to help them to connect to our church and ultimately, hopefully, connect them to God and just be visible in our community. So uh, if you would, we invite you to take uh, several, if you have more than one car, or take it to someone that you know, and just be a way to, to get our name out there, and also to help be a conversation starter, or maybe someone sees that and asks you about that. Uh, I've got just a, a picture up here, maybe an easy way to put that on. Uh, the car, you can just kind of start with the top, uh, and then uh, kind of pull it down and let your credit card kind of flatten it out, and that way it keeps it from getting smudged or uh, anything like that, get an even thing. I might be a little bit too meticulous this morning, but uh, I think you all will be fine with that and just be a great way uh, to be visible in the community and let people know who we are and why we're here and what we're hoping to do. So again, glad you're here today to be thinking about the place to be. Just would invite you now to join me in a moment of silent prayer that I would deliver God's word and that we would all hear it and allow God to transform us. Let's pray together. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, my nine-year-old son, Luke, uh, started playing flag football officially last weekend. This is his first game. We have done soccer, we've done basketball, we've done swimming, and he loves all those things. But uh, he's been begging to play football, and so uh, I thought it'd be a great way to start with flag football to see how that goes. And so the NFL has like a whole league all around the nation, so we're kind of participating in that. Unfortunately, I have to be a Jaguars fan for a little while. Uh, he didn't quite make the Panthers team. But anyway, uh, last Sunday was his first game, and it was a lot of fun. And Laura and I, if you saw my Facebook post this week, discovered that parents of uh, football-playing children take fanaticism to a new level, uh, if you can believe that. It's even higher than our experience with other sports. And we, we've seen some parents really get into it in, in basketball and in soccer, but we weren't quite ready for football, and so uh, I'll just share with you one thing that happened to us last Sunday as we were watching Luke play his game. He, he played really hard and had a good time and a lot of fun, and that's, of course, what it's all about. And so we were on the sideline, and next to us was a, a family from our team, and we just met them, getting to know them. And then on the other side of us was a family that we didn't know. They were from the other team. It was a husband and wife and a young girl. She's probably in elementary age school. Uh, and they were very animated, to say the least. And so uh, the one that really caught our attention was the little girl. And so she, she had a big mouth on her. She was cheering for her brother. She's like, come on, Bubba, run! 
you know, you got to get faster. You got to play harder. And just, you know, on and on and on. And she was really supporting her brother and still hadn't figured out which one he was yet. But uh, she was going to town. And, you know, one time she was just really loud and, uh, you know, excited. And so Laura and I were chuckling and we looked over and her parents were looking at us and they made eye contact and they were chuckling too. And so we we're just having a good time. And about that time, uh, her father sees a play uh, begin to develop on the field and this little kid, now this is, we're talking like third and fourth grade, right? third and fourth grade, and this little guy, he's running from the backfield down the sideline and it looks like he's going to be able to, to get some yardage and, and all of a sudden, her father, uh, you, you know, hang with me here, this, I wish I had this on camera, uh, but I'm going to have to reenact it. This, her dad starts doing this. Woohoo! Woohoo! Again, I wish I had that on camera for you guys to see that, man. It was incredible, right? And I looked at Laura and I'm like, wow, was that Cam Newton scoring the, the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl? Or, or am I mistaken? This is the NFL third grade league. And, and he was going crazy. And uh, so it was all in good fun. And after he calmed down and, and the sidelines were kind of calmed down, I, I looked over at his daughter and I said in a way where he could hear me, Honey, I just don't know where you get that from. <laughs> to which he replied, yeah, yeah. And that wasn't even my son. <laughs> of course, it really was his son and he was super excited. And uh, it was fun. And he was, to his credit, he's a good sport. All that he said the whole game was just positive reinforcement for his son. Nothing negative against the referees or or our team, or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, it just got me thinking. When we, when we go to outings like this, and we see people react, and, and we begin to form judgments, don't we? And, and he's probably known for a very over-aggressive parent cheering for his son. And some might would think that he's trying to live vicariously through his son, maybe that he didn't make it in football, and so maybe now he's trying to get his son to be a big celebration in football. And or maybe he just loves football and he loves his son and he's just an excitable kind of a guy. I don't know, but he's probably going to be known as that dad on the field uh, that some other parents want to not kind of be known as. And so kind of got me thinking as we're talking about today, uh, we're talking about the, the place to be, to, to be known. And I wonder what it is in our own lives that we want to be known for. What is it that you want to be known for? And I think some of us would like to be known to be intelligent or attractive or good-looking or athletic, or maybe we like to be the, the funniest person in the room, the class clown. We're always doing things like that. Or, you know, maybe some of us don't really want to be known by anybody else. We want to kind of be anonymous and kind of keep to ourselves. Or maybe some of us want to be known as the tough guy or, or the mean guy you don't want to mess with. You know, don't come on my property kind of a person. Or maybe you want to be known as the friendly person or the good friend who is always there and the faithful person. Or maybe you want to be known as the, the mean old curmudgeon and, you know, just keep your distance from me. You know, what is it that we want to be known for in life? Because whether we like it or not, we are known for something. We have reputations and and some of us try really hard to be known in certain ways. We post on social media things that we want people to see and images of us and, and things that we're doing that, that we want people to see and the things that we don't want people to see, we don't put online. 
And if we're not online, if we're not on social media, we, we certainly try to project an image, the ways that we carry ourselves and the ways that we dress and the way that we speak to one another, the cars that we drive, the, where we live, the neighborhoods that we have, we really try to create an image. And whether we're trying or not, we are creating an image. We are creating a reputation. So what is it that you are known for? What is it that you'd like to be known for and do those align? And maybe we just, we want to remain anonymous. And so sometimes we, we try to think through those things. And maybe even more than our image, do we want others to know the real us, who we are down deep? Certainly we have a public persona, a public projection, but how many people do we let into our lives to really know us as we truly are, right? The good and the bad. So what does that look like in our lives that, that we would like to be known by others and, and how much of ourselves do we reveal to them? And so I think it's a lot to think about. And it's something I think that the scripture can help us with today. And one thing that kind of blows my mind about God and thinking about God and, and really seems somewhat too good to be true and maybe hard to fathom is that God knows us. And I'm kind of like this guy who wrote this psalm, you know, several thousand years ago. You just kind of really wonder in all of God's creation, how in the world could God know little old me? So let's, let me read this to you from Psalm chapter 8. When I consider your heavens, O God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind, humankind, that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? So what the the writer of the psalm is writing is saying, God, I look up and see the stars. I see all of your creation. and, And in all of this, how in the world can you know me? And we live several thousand years later and we know that the universe is even bigger than what they thought it was back in in the day several thousand years ago. We know that that we have a sun and a solar system and a galaxy, but there's billions of planets and stars all over the universe. And if you you think of the universe, the known created universe is kind of like sand on a beach that the earth would be like one little grain of sand. And if God created all of that and God has all of this space and all these planets, then how in the world could God know us? Even if we're just talking about earth by itself, just our little planet with what, six, seven billion people on it, of all those people in all of our, our world and all the people that ever lived and all the people that will ever live, how in the world can God know me? Who am I? Who are we that God, the God of the universe is mindful of us? That just, it seems mind boggling and impossible for God to know who we are. And yet the scripture says that God does. Let's look at the book of Jeremiah. This was written several hundred years before Jesus was born. And God is calling a a young man to be a prophet, a spokesperson for God. And, And this is one thing that he says to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. So before we're even born, God knows who we are. Because God's going to create us and God has plans for us. And and so as mind-boggling as it is in all of the billions of people and all of the billions of stars and planets, God knows who we are and God cares. And God loves us, right? And in Luke's gospel, it says that God even knows how many hairs are on our head or, or for some of us, how many hairs are no longer on our head, right? God knows our dreams, 
And God knows our desires. God knows our fears. And, and God knows the things that make our heart beat. And God knows our sorrows and our frustrations. And God knows our, our secret victories. And so God knows us. And that should feel comfortable. It should be a, a comforting thing for God to know us. Especially those of us who are trying to put ourselves out there so much on social media or, or the images that we're trying to create that we're trying to, to be known, we're trying to be seen, we're trying to get attention, right? So the number one A-list celebrity in all the universe, God sees us and knows us. And I think that would be comfortable for those of us who feel invisible in the world. That we try to get noticed. We wish people would notice us. We wish certain people would notice us. And it just seems like we're living a life where, where maybe people are passing us by and that really hurts our hearts. It, and it makes it hard for us to even want to get out of bed in the morning and, and to know that the God of the universe does not see us as invisible, but knows exactly who we are and cares about us. It's very special. It should be comforting to those of us who, who want someone to understand who we really are to know us down deep and, and not to just know a part of our story or, or, or a slice of our life as, you know, as so many people in the world do. How many people truly see us for who we are in our entirety? A lot of times people just get slices of our lives and sometimes they get the slices we don't want to see. It might be the one moment that we lose our temper and, and totally go off and that's the time that this one person sees us and that's all they know about us. Or maybe it's the one time that we feel the weakest or the most anxious or, or we utterly fail at something we do at school or at work. And that's the one time this one person notices us and it's like, wow, I wish you knew more about me. Or even those who are so close to us and, and we love so dearly and yet sometimes they just can't know everything inside of us. They just can't understand what we're going through no matter how hard we try to communicate it. Isn't it comforting? To know that God knows that and that God is right there with us and can understand who we are. That's very comforting and hopeful that God does know us. It's also scary, isn't it? It's also disturbing to know that, that there's somebody, there's some entity, there's some being in all of the universe that knows not only the good things about us, but the darker things about us the things that we're ashamed of, the things that we have buried, the things that we work very hard to conceal from other people, maybe even our spouses or our children or our brothers and sisters or our best friends or our teachers or our colleagues, the, the, the kind of stuff that, man, we just, we wish had never done and we never want to see the light of day. God knows what we've got hidden in the closet. God knows where the bodies are buried. God knows all of the dark, nasty things in our lives that we try to cover up and put a different image out to the world and and. and and, and project it out there, God knows all that hard stuff. And that's the part that's scary. And that's the part that we wish God didn't know. And, and Jesus ran into people all the time that he knew stuff about, and I'm sure they weren't proud about it, weren't proud of it, right? He met all kinds of people. He, the woman that washed his feet with her tears and then dried his feet with her hair, and she had a reputation around town as being promiscuous. Jesus hung out with all these tax collectors, Matthew and Zacchaeus. And, and he had to know that in a lot of their hearts, there was a lot of greed. And they cared about more than about money than they care about people. And they robbed from their own people and, and ruined some of their lives where they couldn't provide for their own families, even though they're working hard at their jobs. And Jesus had to know that they're, they're somewhat borderline traitorous doing this for, for a, a foreign government. 
Jesus met people who had affairs and, and were adulterers. Jesus met uh, a thief when he was being crucified, two thieves on the side of him. Who knows the horrible things that, that they'd done to be punished? Jesus knew that his friend Judas was going to betray him and, and, and make it possible for him to be crucified. He knew that his good friend Peter was going to deny him when Jesus needed him the most when he was arrested and Peter disappeared and, and literally denied knowing Jesus. Jesus knew the man named Saul before he became Paul and wrote most of the New Testament and founded all these churches in, in, in the Europe and Asia. And he knew Saul when he was killing Christians and arresting them. Jesus knew all this stuff about the people. Just like he knows all the dirt on us. And he loved them and he loves us anyway. And he sees the good in us. He sees that we've been created in God's image and that we do good things. And he loves that. And he sees the nasty stuff and the guilt and the shame and all the junk that we carry around. And he loves us anyway. I want to read some scripture from the book of Isaiah. Again, in the Old Testament, several hundred years before Jesus was born, the people of Israel have rebelled against God. They've done horrible things. Some consequences are that foreign governments have come in and, and, and defeated them. They've taken them away into captivity and into slavery in another land. And the people of Israel are wrong and they're sorry and they're hurting. And they're, they wonder if God has forgotten and abandoned them. And they think rightfully so. And God sends a man named Isaiah, again, a few hundred years before Jesus was born. And, and this is what he says. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, people of Israel, the nation of Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have bought you back. I have summoned you by name, and you are mine. Another translation of that is, I have called you by name, and you are mine. There's a lot of good in you. There's a lot of awesome things. You, you've messed up, but I love you anyway. I, I, I've bought you back. I've redeemed you. I know you. I know you. Jacob, I know you, Israel, I know you, Paul, I know you, Susan. Right? I know you by name and I have brought you back because you're mine. Our identity is in God. You are mine. To another prophet, Jeremiah, in this similar time frame here, he says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. You remember the Old Testament? God gave the people laws and commands. We've heard of the Ten Commandments, the big stone tablets. There are really 613 commands written on those stone tablets. God says, we're going to have a new deal, right? a new covenant. It's going to be something different from that. They broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them. Right? They, they, they were the unfaithful spouse declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, no longer on stone tablets, right? It's going to be a relationship with God. I will be their God and they will be my people. It's not just several thousand years ago that we're talking about, right? It's, it's here and now. God says, you are mine. I know you by name. I have called you by name. I love what you do that is right. I love you're created in my image and the wrong things that you've done. I'm ready to forgive those. So what God says in short is, I love you. And I know the good, I know the bad, and I know the ugly, and I love you anyway. Now the flip side of this comes to us in the next verse in Jeremiah's passage this morning. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. 
From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Now, the flip side of this is God knows us. He knows everything about us. He loves us for that and in spite of that. And the flip side of that is that God wants to be known by us. God, just as God knows us, God wants us to know God. That's why God created us, to be in a relationship with God, to be in a relationship with each other. And so God says, not only do I know you, but I want you to know me. I've got all these great things that I can share with you and all these great plans and, and, and just to be in the presence together is what I hope for, right? And the Bible talks about a lot of ways that we can begin to know God. Right? The Bible says that we can see God in the nature that God's created and know that, that God gave us the earth and, and all that's here because He loves us and He's that magnificent. And we can see God in the stars and the sun and all that kind of stuff. The Bible also says that we can learn to know who God is by reading the Word of God, the Bible itself, that that's God's love letter to us, that God has written to us. And if we want to know who God is, we, we read and study the Scripture the Bible says we can also get to know God through talking to God and listening to God, that God actually talks to us and, and listens to us, and that's through prayer. We can begin to know God through worshiping Him, and we can begin to know God through serving as we feed hungry people and as, as we go and, and tutor in, in elementary schools. As we're working alongside of God, we're going to get to know God really well. And that's why we ask the people who are part of our, our faith community, we ask you to consider doing three things that we think are very biblical. To worship, to be in a small group, and to serve. We worship together as a group here, and we get to know God in this process. But we also do it all throughout the week on our own individually as we spend time with God every day reading the Bible and praying to God, talking and listening to God. Right? We worship God corporately together, and we worship God individually alone. We ask people to be in small groups because this is the way we can go in depth in the Bible and, and we can live life together through the ups and downs of life. We can hold each other accountable. And as we get to know each other better, we get to know God better. And so it's a group process of getting to know God and, and getting to know others and be known by others, not just by God, but other people in our community who want to care for us. And finally, we're called to serve God through our time and through our talents and through our financial giving, right? When we serve alongside God, we're in the trenches with God, we get to know God pretty well. And the key to all this is Jesus. The key to being known by God and knowing God is Jesus, right? God sent Jesus, his son, into the world to let us know that he loves us. We're far from God because we do wrong things, and the Bible calls that sin, so we separate ourselves from God, which is called hell. We have guilt and shame. And we're going to die one day, right? All that stuff is, is just junk. And so God doesn't want it to be that way. So he sent his son Jesus into the world to take care of all that stuff and to give us a way back to God, right? And so God says, John's gospel says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, right? So whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. So Jesus died on a cross. He rose from the grave to wipe away sin, guilt, shame, death, hell, separation, all that to give us access to being known by God and to knowing God. So we can know that God loves us, and Jesus is our gateway to get to know God, right? Jesus, the Holy Spirit, are ways that we can encounter God. They are God in this life. And so Jesus, and Jesus is, is a great way to know that God loves us and for us to get to know God in a loving, personal relationship, right? Our God is an imminent God with us in the trenches, right? Flesh in the game, right? 
skin in the game. He's not some transcendent God that kind of wound up the world and let it go and step back, right? Like making a clock or something. He's here with us. So we can know God and we can be known by God, right? So the place to be is at the feet of Jesus. And so we would ask that you would join us in how to know God and be known by God. To know God and to be known by God. Because I'm guessing if you're like me on some level, you don't want to remain anonymous forever. We'd like for someone to know who we really are and love us for the good stuff and in spite of the bad stuff. To understand who we are and where we're coming from and and to be able to understand the other people in our lives, to, to be in an intimate relationship where we know them and, and we love them for the good, the bad, and the ugly, and that, that we can take this to a grander level, a more divine level, right? Where we are known and we can have a loving, personal relationship with God. So brothers and sisters, what are you known for? And who are you known by? On what level, right? After we get past the projections of all the images that we want to put up to the world on social media and and the way that we present ourselves in the world, when we get behind the closed doors, who really knows us? And who really still loves us? To know and to be known by God. And maybe it's as simple as knowing that when we're on the field of life, that there's a big parent right there with us, Jumping up and down and screaming, go, 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 go. Because God thinks that we are worth knowing. To know God and to be known by God. The place to be in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.